Ignition sequence start. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Lift off. What's up, guys? Welcome back into Take It Back to the Take It to the Tips podcast. I'm your host, Matt, along with Jeff, as always. What's up, Jeff? Uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought with that crap hey. going on in the background. You like that reference? Uh, what? I was going to talk about that anyway, because that's one of yeah. the greatest things I've ever seen. But welcome back, everybody. We've been off for a little bit. Um, and going forward, we're going to switch up the frequency of the podcast. We're going to do every other week, um, just so we have a little bit more time pre- to prepare for everything, just because Jeff has a kid and we're both full-time therapists. So it makes it a little bit easier. Um, also, we could... Uh, bring the best content to you every other week. I like it. I like it. Yep. Uh, any golf news or any other news with you at the moment or recently? Me personally? No, or I haven't been golfing. Nice. Okay. I golfed um, once. I did. I did. I did, I did golf once. I had planned on playing 18 holes and I got halfway through and I was just dead tired and I had to stop. Nice. Yeah. I've been playing about the same amount. Um, my putting is back. My chipping's back. I'm playing much better. It's all good. Uh, I was having, like, I was in a real crisis. I was like concerned, but we're all good. We're all good. How'd you get out of it? Uh, I just practiced really did a lot of that. Like I didn't. So I would typically just after work, go play nine. And then I, anymore, I don't even play nine. Sometimes I just go to chipping green, putt chip, boom, done. Mm -hmm. Now we're all good. Just took a lot of like my lower body out of it for at least chipping. um, And that helped a lot. Yeah, we're all good now. Good. But the bigger stories besides us are uh, Phil obviously won the PGA Championship, which was wild. I wanted Brooks to win, but we'll get to Brooks in a second. What did you think about Phil winning? Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Um, it's always good to see like one of the older golfers come back. And he hit the ball really far. So it's not like he just finessed his way through it. You know, yeah. it was yeah, impressive. The, I think on, what, 18, he hit the longest tee shot of the week. Yeah, out of every Bryson by Brooks, like it's crazy. And he's somebody that's never really been hurt. So I think we got to do a, a deep dive on Phil in the near future too. More people have to start swinging from the left side of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lefties, people like you, but yeah, maybe who knows? Maybe there's, yeah, I, don't know. I don't know. He he gave a really good shout out to TP and I don't know if you caught that or not in, in one of his that? interviews. Uh, he I said that, that uh, um, he gave a really good shout out to TPI uh, and, and sports physio or yeah, sports physiologists, exercise scientists, um, just saying that, you know, he really had to maintain his body and, and that's how, that's what contributed to some of his success. So that was a good shout out for sure. I mean, just thinking about that, what he said there, you look at Bryson again, how he maintains his body, looking at all that research is, uh, he might be the next Phil. Is he overdoing it? I don't know, maybe a little bit, but now let's get into Brooks and Bryson, which is the best part and favorite part of my week. Seeing that video like wasn't real. And I've probably watched it 15 times now and I will die laughing every single time. It's so funny. And what did you determine from your understanding? What, I mean, did Bryson give him crap when he walked by or it sounds like based on what I was doing some deep dives into it. Uh, it seems like when Brooks was talking about like reading the greens and he was having trouble with it, Bryson was clacking around behind him with his metal spikes. Um, and he was like, you just got to put it online. And okay. he heard that in the background and then Brooks just like lost it. Okay. That's, that's what I heard too then. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. 
So you like that then? I, mean, I love that because uh, I already don't rivalries. Like I think. Go ahead. Oh, you don't? No. Yeah. I think golf needs more uh, more rivalries. We need more Happy Gilmore versus Shooter McGavin type of stuff. Oh, yeah. So I uh, pair those two up and and watch them play together. If if they don't pair them up for the U.S. Open, golf just hates ratings and hates exposure. That's so. I expect they won't be paired up then. But yeah, I already. Yeah, pretty much. I already <laughs> like Brooks. Like he was one of my. I feel like me and Brooks are like have a similar personality. Just like not giving a damn mostly and just having that like kind of dickish personality, I guess you could say. Yeah. That's um, pretty spot on then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just never really liked Bryce. I just thought he's, he's a little full too full of himself. And I think he thinks he's smarter than he actually is just because he's doing something else that other people aren't, but it's not that crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't like, him. so when a player I likes is doing that to a player, I don't like, now I like it, and today Brooks put something on his uh, on his Instagram story about like living rent free and now Bryson put it on his Instagram story of him living rent free in Brooks's head. Mm-hmm. So now it's uh, it continues and it's just great, great fun. I love it. Between social media and the increase in interviews, this is going to blossom into something fun yes. to watch. Yeah, uh, may, for all we know, maybe they're uh, doing some secret thing behind our backs for uh, the whole PGA PIP thing, so they could win that money. But I doubt it because they, I feel like they truly hate each other. <laughs> all right. So what are we talking about today? So who, who do we want to talk about? Oh, we want to talk about the goat tiger so last show we talked about back pain today we're going to wrap it up a little bit using tiger as just a little bit of a case study uh obviously so much has gone on with tiger we'll get into that before we do that uh make sure you follow me on facebook youtube at dm golf twitter at doc Mrags, ig and tiktok are at doc Mrags golf i've been mostly active on twitter but we will get some more out soon because now we have a whole week in between that we could do other stuff and, and jeff where hit, you at hit me up at jeff kurtz dpt on twitter and look me up on the tpi find my professional um, at my tpi.com yes all right so let's dive in talking about tiger so we're gonna get into what we think about tiger going forward obviously he had the accident and everything that comes with that but getting into a whole history of his just focusing on his back here, really. Um, so I can take this part away. So oh, yeah, I, did a, I did I did a deep dive into Tiger's injury history. I don't know where HIPAA is with all this stuff, but apparently it doesn't cover Tiger because I found everything. Yes. You know, if he had a hangnail, I found it. Basically. Um, so anytime I have a golfer come into the clinic, I like to get, uh, if, if they're having back pain, I actually like to get a history of every injury they've ever had. So if somebody was in a boot when they were 13 because they fractured their ankle, I like to know those things because I would say two out of three times somebody walks into the door and they had an ankle fracture, I see weakness in their entire leg because it wasn't properly rehabbed. Because if somebody fractured their ankle 20 years ago, they probably didn't even get sent for PT or if they did, it it was just to make sure they regained their, their movement and they didn't hit hip strengthening. You know, if somebody's not weight bearing for six to eight weeks or eight to 12 weeks, you're going to see loss of strength throughout the entire leg. So I like to get 
an entire injury history. So on Tiger, he had fluid drainage in it regarding his ACL in 2002. It wasn't a big deal. He had a successful return. In 2007 is when the injury bug really started to bite him. He ruptured his left ACL running on a golf course. He played through it. And he actually won five out of six tournaments that season um, to the end that season. You can you can come back from ACL without getting surgery, but eventually he did have surgery in 2008 um, with a hamstring graft rather than a patellar graft, and he missed eight months, which is a pretty fast recovery for an athlete. Um, though with golf, with not having to run and plant and twist, it's you know you can probably make it back in in eight months pretty pretty successfully. 2009, he played through right Achilles tendon uh, injury while jogging. You know, I'm starting to find out that maybe golfers shouldn't run on the golf course because that's how he always seems to hurt himself. 2010, he withdrew from the players due to a bulging disc in his neck with tingling in his right upper extremity. This is the first time I found something that has to do with his back, but it's more so his neck. Um, later, we find out that it was more of an inflamed facet joint rather than a bulging disc. 2011, he had a left Achilles injury, and this left Achilles injury starts to crop up a lot. So he has a lot of left lower extremity injuries, whether it's the ACL, whether it's the Achilles in that year, 2011, he has to withdraw because of an MCL injury. He has Achilles tightness the following year in the left side. And then finally, in 2012, he has low back pain due to a soft mattress, question mark, because... I don't know. I don't really strongly believe that a, a mattress can cause severe damage to your back. Yeah, um, you know, if you have a strong, healthy back, you shouldn't be brought down by a mattress. Um, so I think there's probably some underlying issues going on there that's beyond a soft mattress. 2013, he has an elbow strain, more back spasms that year. 2014, he has back spasm and then, and then has a surgery on a pinched nerve which if you have surgery on a pinched nerve, it's probably because you had symptoms down the leg, not just back spasms. Hopefully, you know, that's why, when that would be indicated. If it is indicated, uh, he withdrew again two months after he had that, that surgery with more low back pain. And when he returned, he, he kind of stank it up and missed the cut. February of 15, he withdraws because of back pain. Uh, September, he had two microdisectomies. So that's another, another surgery. It's a second one to remove bone fragments that was contributing to it. Apparently another pinched nerve in October, he has another back surgery. So one month later, finally, he returns to play after 16 months away. 2017, he has a spinal fusion. It's his fourth back surgery. And they called this a successful spinal fusion. In 19, is his next strain. In 2021, apparently, has another microdisectomy to remove a bone fragment. So, couldn't have been that successful with spinal fusion if he's having more back pain. And of course, in February, uh, February 23rd, he had that right commuted open fracture in his tibial, his tibia, and his fibula. Not fibia, fibula. <laughs> There's Tibia a lot of people fibula. out there. Yep. There's a lot of people out there that say fibia. It's not oh, fibia. Yeah. It's the fibula. Yes. So he had a rod and screws and pins um, inserted to that, into that tibia. Still so that's right now. That's it. Yeah. Um, just a side note in 2009 and 2010, because everybody's going to be wondering, that's when he had his whole scandal um, oh, where he yeah. had more stuff going on. So we might cover a little bit of that later too. Yeah. 
Uh, also, so you're talking about like all the left sided knee stuff. He also had that right before the ACL reconstruction when he won the U.S. Open. He had the stress fractures, the tibial plateau mm-hmm. stress fractures. And then I think there was one more he had on his left knee. I think it was, let me see. It was in August 2019. He had another arthroscopic uh, repair to his left knee. So everything on his left knee just busted. Um, a lot of people have talked about, have you heard the stories of him doing like uh, Navy SEAL training? No, but you've talked about it. Yeah. So people have talked about that being where his knee problems initially came from. Um, what are your thoughts on having that like blown tire, basically using like a metaphor. So that busted mm-hmm. tire. And then what do you think about the impacts on his back? Cause we don't really get to the back until he has consistent problems with the knee. So it's knee in the early two thousands, knee in the late two thousands, Right. doesn't have his first back problem so until 2010 uh, 2010 uh well that's, that's more his neck. neck that's his neck uh so 2014 yeah so he doesn't have his first back problem i'm sorry until 2014. i'm sorry 2012 because of the soft mattress that deadly soft mattress. oh yeah <laughs> no those <laughs> gotta watch out so yeah, yeah he doesn't have any problems with his back until 2012 that's just kind of what i was thinking a little bit so we know how the golf swing is all like this jumble of components that has to work perfectly together. And he's obviously, he was obviously hampered for years on end with the knee playing when he probably shouldn't have been playing with the knee compensating in other areas. Most likely the back is one of them. And I was just thinking that there's probably a decent chance this all starts with the knee. Um, Obviously back problems are going to be, a problem with golfers anyway, but I think the knee could have a little, could have been like the precursor for some of this stuff. I think you're right. Um, because like I said before, he did have a bunch of ACL, MCL, tibial plateau fractures, all of those issues and pretty consistently he plays through it yep. until, and successfully, you know, give him that he successfully plays through it, but yeah, he probably compensated in ways. And I always say that the low back more often than not is is the scapegoat and unfortunately the victim rather than the actual cause of, of issues. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think he probably successfully changed his swing to, to move, maneuver around that lead, that lead knee. Mm-hmm. And more often than not when pe- golfers have knee issues, it's the lead knee. So that's pretty consistent with what the numbers say, but I'm almost certain he probably did things to put more stress on his back to successfully play through pain. Yeah. And see, the thing is, it's all also like, like we said, it's all on that left knee. So he's going to compensate basically the same way every single time, which just Mm -hmm. puts more, if he's doing something to one side of the back, it's always going to be that one side of the back, basically. And obviously he's doing training and stuff like that. So I don't know. Did he have the right crew around him? Did he, obviously he's Tiger Woods. So I'm sure he, people are not really going to tell him no. So yeah, it's tough. It's tough, but uh, obviously yeah. we are where we are now. He had his success, um, which is, you know, which is great, but that's why you don't see him now. Obviously he won the masters two years ago, but that's why you may not see as long of a, of a career as maybe you see Phil have, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the recent success that Phil had, it seems like Phil takes more of a conservative 
care of his body and is in it for the long haul. Whereas Tiger and maybe we see Bryson in five years, he just falls apart because yep. he went for it all right now, rather than having the long, the long haul in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where, where maybe Tiger went wrong was he was so focused on being great right away that, that he sacrificed a longer career. Yeah, absolutely. So knowing all these surgeries that he had, had all the disectomies, the fusion. Um, let's dive into the fusion a little bit more just because I think, so people have seen Tiger with all these surgeries, but they've also seen him come back and uh, win multiple times now. He's won the Masters. He was, I don't know if he got back to number one in the world, but he was close. Um, I think so he I may think, have. Yeah, I think he's more, people think of fusions or like, oh, like Tiger had one. He got back to being the best player in the world. That's not, that's not how it goes in life for most people that have a lumbar fusion. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up to people a little bit and surf tiger is not a full success story, but a precautionary tale for more reasons than one, one being that this isn't the, this isn't going to happen for everybody. They're not going to come back and be as good or better than ever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, just speaking about spinal fusions, you know, surgery rates have increased 600% since 1992. So they're happening way more frequently um, than they had been. Uh, the cost of surgery has tripled since 1992. $40 billion is spent on fusions each year. Um, however, according to some research, there's only a 34% success rate in that, um, you know, there was a study that was done where there were 725 fusions versus 725 controls, people that didn't have surgery. And one out of four people that had that fusion had a repeat surgery. One out of three had a chance of a major complication and one out of three uh, never returned to work again. So despite people imagining that that surgery is a, is a one size fix all, um, you know, it's not, it doesn't guarantee a fix. Um, in a poll in, in t- 2009, uh, 99 out of a hundred surgeons who were asked whether they'd elect to have a lumbar fusion surgery, if it were recommended to them said, absolutely not. So even the people doing the surgeries wouldn't recommend getting it done themselves, but it's still getting recommended most likely because again, of the money aspect of it. Yeah. And we've, we've seen stories of there being like kickbacks for surgeons to like, or from companies to surgeons because they put in these um, basically like implant materials. Um, So there's some shady stuff going on too. And obviously the medical field when it comes down to it is for profit for the most part. So some of that stuff happens, unfortunately. Yeah. Surgery should always be considered the last resort. You know, if, if you start to have low back pain and you go see somebody and they immediately recommend surgery, you know, that should be the last, the last possible, possible option. Yeah. And looking at Tiger. It may have been for Tiger. I don't know. Um, you know, one thing that I never hear about is whether he had reticular symptoms, the neurological symptoms down the legs, you know, the only indication there is really for surgery is when somebody gets severe neuromuscular issues, you know, issues where they can't feel their feet, where they have loss of motor function. So I never really hear what side he had neurological symptoms on if he did, but I'd be interested to know that like if he had it down the left side, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Yeah. And that's one thing too, that you're saying surgery should be a last resort. It seems like 
Now, again, we don't know. We're not best buddies with Tiger. We're not his family. We're not his physios. We're not his surgeons. Um, but it seems like he just seeing all these surgeries, it seems like he goes to the knife relatively quickly. I mean, for the knee, I mean, what are you going to do with an ACL? But um, for the back particularly, again, we don't know exactly what's going on, but he goes disectomy, another disectomy, fusion, disectomy, disectomy. How much, obviously he's getting probably physical therapy in between those for recovery, but how much is Tiger viewing conservative treatment as an option over surgery? Because we know also with fusions is that they don't hold up the best. So you're going to get one section fuse basically. And then the uh, segments above it and then below it, they're going to also kind of wear away and degrade, especially in like a golfer. So you're going to have problems down the line. If you go fusion, fusion, fusion after all these disectomies. So how much is tiger considering conservative treatment versus going knife and then getting PT afterwards and then just, kind of maintaining it through surgery versus maintaining it for with like conservative treatments and therapy. Not only did he receive those surgeries, he was also prescribed opioids all the time. Mm -hmm. So you have one issue in terms of the surgeries, but then you have another where they're just saying here, let me, let's prescribe medication for it. Um, And, you know, every so often we see this case, especially in high level athletes, people that have money that people are almost over-treated by the healthcare system. Somebody runs out and gets an MRI when they feel some sort of discomfort in their low back or their neck or, or their knee. Um, and you know, the likelihood is that if you received an, an MRI, you're more likely to receive surgery. And if these surgeries aren't always successful, then you may be receiving an unnecessary surgery. So it might be one of those cases where Tiger was so surrounded by so many healthcare professionals that he was over-treated rather than just taking a step back and, and seeing the person as, as a, a person rather than an athlete. Mm-hmm. And that's so even more so than just like richer people uh, getting these, I think problems in society is that they assume they have to go to physicians and surgeons in order to get this stuff taken care of. And we've like, we talked about in the last episode. Uh, I think we talked about this is that I think it's like 8% of people with like low back pain, eventually make it to physical therapy versus whatever the other 92% are. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's more than 8% of the, of that 92 that are going to get surgery. So right. conservative treatment isn't really pushed because that's not where the money is. We talk about for physical therapy, we can save the healthcare industry a lot of money, but what do physicians think about that or surgeons? What do they think about that when they're making these big, big checks and they're doing surgeries on wealthy people. Like mm. it's uh, yeah. yeah. Let me, let me give you a multiple choice question here. What is the number one predictor of whether you will have low back surgery in the U S option a is an MRI of a herniated disc. Option B is pain severity and location. Option C is loss of strength and reflexes. Option D is zip code. Like a zip code. <laughs> yeah, the answer is zip code. So it's people in more affluent zip codes and areas, or people that are more closely, um, you know, geographically located close to surgeons and orthopedic doctors. Yeah. 
So yeah, uh, you know, it's, there's a target on some of these people's backs and, you know, unfortunately, uh, physicians are, can be very persuasive when they say, listen, you're going to have low back pain the rest of your life unless you get the surgery. That's scary. And you can talk anybody into surgery that, that way. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we can help you. And if we can't, we, we do all we can to help you out as physical therapists. And if we don't at the end, then sure, reconsider surgery as an option, but going there, going to your physician who then refers you to a orthopedic surgeon and you immediately go for the cut. That's just not what you should do for your own health. If you go to a surgeon, what they do is they cut for a living. So why would they not tell you how they can help you that way? Right. So I'm not even blaming them at that point. Like it's their job. What am I going to tell them to do? Not do their job, but you have other options. Yep. Yeah. Um, Looking at a, at one person that did go the conservative route, uh, you know, Patrick Cantley is on PJ tour. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he had a significant history of back problems. I forget exactly what it was. I want to say it was fractures. I think he had ridiculous symptoms as well, but he went the conservative route and went a couple of years where he wasn't really able to play golf. Um, I was doing a lot of conservative treatment. He has his own physical therapist that he works with every day. And he now has a strict routine. He gets to the golf course like four hours early uh, just to do his warm up routine, go through his physical therapy. And he has dedicated himself to a conservative management and he hasn't had surgery. And he's been, I think he's the number 10 player in the world right now. Um, and he, he had a significant history of back pain. He went through trauma. I think he lost his best friend. So we know what kind of stress and trauma can do for the potential of development of like chronic pain, especially if you're already in pain. And he just went with a conservative, conservative route and he's doing well with it just with physical therapy. And again, is that going to work for everybody? No, but can it work for a lot of people? Absolutely. Yeah. And you just mentioned something that I would like to touch on briefly here. Um, So you mentioned psychological stress, right? Earlier, I had mentioned that 2009, 2010 is when that whole, you know, this cheating scandal kind of cropped up that everybody was so interested in. 2009, 2010. Just looking at his history of injuries in 2009, May, he withdrew from the players due to the bulging disc in his neck with the tingling in his right upper extremity. Right. Then we all, all of a sudden start to see the soft mattress in 12, uh, back spasms in 14, back spasms in 13. So is this, again, we have, we have no idea. We will never know really. Is this a case of somebody that suffered from chronic pain that was sure he may have had a back issue at the time, but maybe it was worsened and aggravated more by his psychological stress, the uh, the opioid addiction, the sex addiction that he had, you know, was this perpetuated possibly by psychological stress that maybe he should have seen. And again, we don't know if he received this or not, but maybe he should have seen a sports psychologist, uh, some other kind of psychologist to address those issues and figure out whether his symptoms were more of mechanical, physiological, or were they more psychological driven? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. And then if you've watched like the, the tiger documentary was on HBO. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. like, you can tell he's going through some stuff. He has some demons um, that are right around that time. He's definitely dealing with. Um, so that's 
a great point there with those kind of psychological stressors that can contribute to pain. Mm-hmm. Um, what I am going to say is that surgery isn't always the worst thing. Like we've said, as a last resort for the back and really everything it should be. But if you look at other areas, so I think of a couple of years ago with the Eagles, Deshaun Jackson, he had the hernia thing. He should have gotten that taken care of surgically immediately instead of because of what the data shows is that 100% of players come back at a 100% rate without a recurrence um, of that injury. There's other areas like the ACL, you can get that taken care of and you're going to be doing pretty well. But with the back, it's a different story. And there's at best, you're really for a lot of these surgeries with the back, you're looking at like 50 50 of if you're going to do better with surgery or better with conservative treatment. Yeah. I'll stand by the idea that Tiger Woods was completely mistreated by the medical, by, by the healthcare profession. Um, you know, we've talked about the statistics before about abnormal findings on an MRI that is actually a normal, like asymptomatic, right? So if this guy was getting frequent MRIs on his low back and they found a pinched nerve where he herniated disc and they said, okay, well, let's do surgery. Um, you know, we, there's a lot of quotes from tiger that shows some misunderstanding of his body. You know, there was, let me pull this up. Uh, in 2015 in April, he jarred his trail arm, uh, while he was swinging, hit like a root. And he said, a bone kind of popped out and the joint went out of place. I put it back in. Um, you know, I don't know if he's referring to, and then apparently he kept golfing. Um, or you see the quote about his sacrum popped out. Yes. And once it was put back in, he was feeling much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the evidence doesn't really show that your sacrum just pops out of place. Yeah. But so this guy, even though he's getting apparently some of the most high quality medical care in the world, he's got a lot of misconceptions about what's wrong with his body. So maybe he's getting frequent MRIs and they're just cutting and fixing air quotes, his back abnormalities when maybe that's not the root cause of his pain. That's why I suggest that maybe some of his symptoms are less physical and more psychological because Mm -hmm. despite four surgeries, he's still dealing with low back pain. So how successful could those surgeries have been in fixing the problem? Yep. Yeah. And what you said there, he's Tiger Woods. He assumes he's going to get the best medical care in the world. And if he assumes that, then he's going to put all of his trust into his physicians or whoever he's seeing and kind of trust in your clinician is such a huge part of recovery. So basically what you believe is going to happen is most likely going to happen. So for all we know, he had that first disectomy or two, and they might've put it in his head like, Hey, you might need a fusion down the road. Now. I don't know that. Could they have said that mm-hmm. it's possible. It's very possible. And then he gets fusion down the road. So it's, I agree with you. I think he's probably mishandled, probably wasn't given the best uh, medical advice the whole time. Do we know? No, but is it likely that he wasn't given the best advice throughout these 10 years? Since he's had surgery, yes. I mean, look at the evidence. Yeah. No successful back surgery requires four more to fix it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the fusion was successful. Right. Yes, it's successful. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't know, man. So there's there's the caution story of you know make sure you're 
not being over treated by the healthcare system. Uh, a quote that I really like. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Yeah. Um, never underestimate the ability of the healthcare system to make you worse. <laughs> so you know, you've got to get the right advice, mm-hmm. right? Um, you got to seek out multiple options. You know, if you get a, if you get an opinion, go see a second one, go yeah. see a third one. If it doesn't sound right. Yeah. Like physicians aren't like crazy genius gods for the most part. They're basically the same as us. Like they don't do the same thing, but they're regular people that are flawed. Like, am I a God listening to listening to me right now? Do you think I'm a God? No, I'm not. Are you a God, Jeff? I think I'm closer than you are, but (laughs) no. Um, Yeah. So a lot of the physicians tend to read the MRIs um, because, you know, an MRI, like, like we said before, shows an internal picture of what might be going on. But a lot of times they treat what they see. And if they see something that's giving a false impression of, of what's going on, then you might be getting unbeknownst to the, to the physician, you might be getting false advice. Yep. We talked about this one last time too, is that MRI, you said this earlier, this episode too, is that MRIs are going to show, most likely show problems with most people in their back. And it's easier to tell someone they have something wrong with them for their back pain than it's just generalized mechanical back pain, which most of the time it is. So, Right. Because I'm I'm looking at a picture that shows something wrong. So that's probably what it is. You know, it's yep. not, that's not always the case. Yep. All right. So we won't beat it to death, but like you said, precautionary tale of not only tiger, but how you can apply it to any of you listening um, regarding your back and whatever happens to your back down the road. Anything else you got on that? No, no, I think we beat it to death, but to, <laughs> we I, I we think killed it. I think you have to though, because I agree. there's going to be more tigers. You might be a tiger um, in some sense. Uh, you know, other people can be in tiger situation. Uh, it's just that he's first and foremost. And we all, we all know the story. So I think it's, it's, that's what we can learn from them. Yes, absolutely. In the future, I think in the future, you and I want to talk and maybe show some general mobility exercises or strength exercises for, for just healthy backs. You know, I think we talk a lot about what can go wrong and what people are are doing wrong, but I think we can talk more about what they can do right to help, you know, get a healthy back. So look out in the future for that kind of content from us. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm going to do more. That was a plan I was going to do recent, not recently in the future, near future is kind of make more um, Instagram videos, just putting, giving like a medical diagnosis, what's going on. Um, why it happens, ways to treat it, and then exercises to kind of maintain. So that'll be coming up in the future, near future. Um, but yeah, like Jeff said, getting into some, some back mobility exercise that can help you kind of throughout the day, even if you're not in pain, it's good to have a mobile, strong, uh, healthy back. So definitely look out for that down the road. Uh, we'll discuss the next show in the near future, and then you'll see us in two weeks. Yep. Keep up on social media to see what we're doing. Uh, and you can look out on TikTok specifically. For- <laughs> <laughs> I've been on TikTok in a minute, but it's coming back. Don't worry. I, I wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
right. But yeah, thank you guys as always for listening, helping you uh, optimize your body, improve your golf game and make sure you subscribe obviously to the podcast, to socials, and then we'll be back in two weeks. So we'll see you then. All right. Ace. Later. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Lift off.